The future of 800,000 immigrants rests in the hands of a divided Congress. Lawmakers face deadlines to take action. So what's our job? Our job is to monitor the progress of potential DACA legislation as the deadlines come closer, while diving deeper into the issues of deferred deportation and illegal immigration. You're listening to an In Focus special report podcast, Deadline DACA. I'm Andrew Nicola. And I'm Adrian St. Clair. Welcome to the show. There are 62 days left until the deadline, December 15th, the day Democrats have threatened to withhold votes from a must-pass budget risking government shutdown. In this episode, we're diving into the increasingly complex politics of DACA. Since we last spoke to you, the number of DACA replacement bills has climbed to six, and the White House chimed in over the weekend, releasing a wish list of their policy priorities, which will guide negotiation efforts. The original December 15th deadline was to force a vote on the DREAM Act, but now there is more than one version of the bill, and so things have become a little bit more complicated. So aside from the DREAM Act, you have bills such as the Bridge Act, the RAC Act, the HOPE Act, the Succeed Act, and recently Jeff Flake's Border Security and Deferred Action Recipient Relief Act. That's a that's a mouthful. That's a long list of bills, and that last one is a pretty long title. There's no catchy like abbreviation for that. So as you can imagine, like with all that in mind, it's kind of overwhelming to follow all of this. I mean, like these bills keep popping up, you know, like once we understand one, another one pops up. And, you know, it's kind of like a game of DACA mole. It seems like every day there's a new senator introducing their own bill with their own name on it, um, and, and they differ a little bit, right? That's Clarissa Martinez de Castro, Deputy Vice President of Unidos U.S. She was a panelist at an event on October 9th for state legislators discussing immigration issues, including DACA. So about a week before that, one of the more notable updates since we last spoke was the Senate Judiciary Committee's hearing on the administration's decision to terminate DACA. Any potential DACA agreement has to include So what made it so notable? So what made it notable was that that was the first time when we saw saw senators, you know, like directly questioning these immigration officials about the president's specific policies and how they would affect these young people whose statuses could be terminated. So I guess the biggest piece of news that came from that was a statement from Chairman Chuck Grassley in his opening statement where he said that any sort of like potential DACA deal wouldn't have to necessarily have funding for a border wall. And that's big because, um, I mean, that's been one of Trump's pillars of his campaign, and uh, this is something that the Republican Party has been pushing for quite a while. And for him to say that maybe we don't need a wall, maybe it could be some sort of border fortification, I mean, I think that's something worth mentioning. Yeah, and so were there any other notable things from the committee members or other people that were at the hearing? So they all said basically the same thing. They all sort of echoed the chairman's remarks. They all agreed that there needed to be some sort of DACA deal but they differed on how far such a replacement program should go and how to approach it. And the main dilemma facing that committee was whether a DACA deal should be made before lawmakers fix border security and enforcement, because they say, or some of them said, that if they don't fix that, then they'll just have another DACA problem in the next 10 years or so. So after the hearing, I headed to Capitol Hill and I got a quick quote from Representative Raul Grijalva. He's a Democrat from Tucson. He told me that he took Grassley's comments as a piece of good news. I'm gratified by Grassley's comments. I think he reaffirms the fact that uh, the wall is an impediment <laughs> and uh, politically to us getting something decent and right done. 
But he also warned that Democrats would still resist a bill that was held hostage by unrealistic demands from Republicans. You know, we don't get a clean bill. We don't get a bill that, uh, that is not corrupted or tainted or held hostage by uh, demands that on, on enforcement that are not realistic or needed, like a wall, like 10,000 enforcement agencies in the interior of the United States. Uh, then I think it's going to be very difficult. And the point I made, then uh, we'll wait to see come December 5th if there is enough will on the part of Democrats to hold off until we get a clean bill. Days later, on October 5th, the deadline for DACA applicants to renew their status passed. Do we know how many people were up for renewal and how many missed the deadline? We know approximately. Um, so there were about 154,000 that were up for renewal whose status would have ended between now and March 5th. And of those people, more than one in four missed that deadline. And that's according to numbers from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. For those of us in Arizona, there were over 25,000 immigrants eligible for DACA, according, again, to U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. But we still don't know how many in the state failed to apply. I spoke with Ayinsa Mian. She's an immigration lawyer from Phoenix, and she was one of a couple dozen immigration law firms and other immigrant advocacy groups who are helping the DACA community um, with this reapplication process. And so what did they do? So they were holding what was called DACA drives. And what they did there was they had educational seminars. They had Q&As with lawyers and immigration advocacy groups. They had free consultations. They were just helping these people understand if they were up for renewal and if they were, how can they go about that process? And then some were even offering scholarships to help them paid the $495 fee to reapply. So even after a dozen of these drives, Mian still feels that their efforts weren't enough. I honestly don't believe that we were able to reach as many as we would have liked to reach. Um, but I know that, again, there were a lot of uh, community uh, efforts being done to help these kids. The October DACA renewal deadline has come and gone, but lawmakers still anticipate the December deadline and continue the game of Docamol. Everybody supports a solution on this. I think the signature legislation on this is the DREAM Act, and it is the one that has mirror bills in the House and Senate. So the Senate version of the bill has been around in some form or another for over 15 years, and the most recent Senate DREAM Act is co-sponsored by Senators Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Dick Durbin of Illinois. Durbin was the sponsor of the original DREAM Act, which was first introduced in 2001, and you recently went to an event that they both held, isn't that right? Right. In a press conference in front of the Capitol building last week for Dreamer Advocacy Day, Graham joked about Durbin's role in the latest DREAM Act legislation. He's been working on this longer than most of you have been alive, and uh, which means he's old. But uh, Dick has been the grandfather, not the father of this effort. The Senate DREAM Act is the only truly bipartisan bill, with support from six Democrats and four Republicans. But Durbin himself noted in this press conference that they need to build up their numbers. In order for the Senate version of the DREAM Act to pass, the group needs at least eight more Republicans and all of the Democrats to vote in favor. In spite of this, Graham and Durbin are optimistic to pass this latest version of the DREAM Act. So here's the deal. I've never felt better about the DREAM Act than I do right now. I've never seen more bipartisan support for the idea than, than right this moment. Though DREAMers attending the rally were more hesitant. Uh, you have the president saying things, you have Senate saying things, the House saying things, but it's been almost a month since uh, DACA was basically terminated by the, by the administration, and we still 
we don't have enough co-sponsors in the Senate or in the House, and it just seems like gridlock. Uh, and then my fear is that it's going to happen what has happened before with DREAM Act, where it's just going to be a lot of talk, and ultimately it's not going to be able to have an actual negotiation or a deal, and we're going to be left in the same uh, place that we're at right now. And so, do you have concern that you're going, that the legislators aren't moving fast enough, or? My concern is the legislators are not moving at all. That was Jose Patino, who had traveled from Gilbert, Arizona, to attend the event. So who is Jose with? Jose was with a group who traveled out to D.C. There's a total of four Arizona Dreamers. And even with Jose Patino saying there was just a lot of talk and no action. Durbin said that conversation is a sign of bipartisan politics. But the good news is we are not in dialogue. We are talking to them. Unlike the Senate bill, the rest of the proposed bills are either partisan or bipartisan in name only. For example, in the House Dream Act, Democrats outnumber Republicans about 39 to 1. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan established what he calls a DACA task force, which is made up of all Republicans who have some sort of jurisdiction over immigration and border issues. One of the 10 members is Arizona's Representative Martha McSally. The task force has been charged with the goal to find a solution to DACA legislation that will have support of the House before it heads to the floor. While House Republicans are searching for a solution, a group of Republican senators introduced a bill a couple weeks ago and the bill is called the Succeed Act. And in short, it is a GOP-friendly DACA bill, but critics say it's too extreme. So what does Succeed stand for? Succeed stands for the Solution for Undocumented Children Through Careers, Employment, Education, and Defending Our Nation Act. The Succeed Act is sponsored by Republican Senators Tom Tillis of North Carolina, James Lankford of Oklahoma, and Orrin Hatch of Utah. The bill would provide a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers, but it would not allow chain migration, which is something that the Democrats who support the DREAM Act are fighting for. And so what is chain migration? Chain migration is where legal immigrants can sponsor family members to come to the country and live with them. At that same press conference that I was at in front of the Capitol building with Senators Durbin and Graham, Uh, They were asked about the Succeed Act, and they were saying it's essentially the DREAM Act, but with some differences. Durbin himself compared the two bills. The same starting point, DREAMers, although their definition is different, a little different, it has the same ending point, citizenship. It's the period in between that we have to negotiate. We see different ways to do it. And both Durbin and Graham took this as a foundation for negotiations. I do believe that Senators Tillis and Lankford have told us directly they are sincere about wanting to pass the DREAM Act and support it, and we are going to work with them and any other senators uh, on either side who are anxious to to reach that goal. Here's Graham. Number one, I'm just pleased as much that we get more Republicans with new ideas uh, on how to solve this problem. Thank you to the three of them. We'll find common ground because we have differences, but... The concept's basically the same. You wind up with a pathway to citizenship, which you will have to earn. And Arizona Republican Senator Jeff Flake, who is also a co-sponsor of the DREAM Act, proposed the Border Security and Deferred Action Recipient Relief Act, a bill that aims to please both parties. Okay, so he announced this last Wednesday, October 4th, um, over a conference call with a bunch of Arizona news outlets. And over the call, he was making the case for his bill saying that it was, quote, the best chance for any sort of permanent solution for DACA? I'm on the DREAM Act. I'm a supporter of the DREAM Act. I'm a supporter of uh, 
you know, the Bridge Act to ex extend DACA. I have something called the SAFE Act, which is a combination. And now I'm introducing this today, which I think has the best chance of actually protecting the DREAMers and also provide additional border security. The bill would give DACA recipients, those who came to the country before 2012, conditional residence for up to 10 years as long as they were working, going to school, or enlisted in the military. After that 10-year period, recipients may apply for a green card, and then after five years, they become a citizen. So in exchange for that, Flake is also including three other provisions that sort of tailor to the Republicans, which is $1.6 billion in border wall funding that... Trump has requested, you know, again and again, and, and uh, that funding has actually been approved through the House already. So it's it's something that Republicans want. It's something that the president wants. So that's one thing. And he also wants to make it easier for immigration officials to deport immigrants who are suspected of being involved in gangs or cartels, which you currently can't deport people only based on suspicion of participation. And gangs. So that proposal borrows elements from the Recognizing America's Children Act, the RAC Act, and that was a bill that was introduced in March by Republican Representative Carlos Cubello of Florida. What I did want to ask, though, is if Flake is co-sponsoring the DREAM Act, why did he introduce this new bill? So what Flake's bill does is it couples the core promise of the DREAM Act which is a pathway to citizenship with border wall funding and increased border security. This bill is the best way to thread the needle, to deliver what the president has asked for, what the Congress wants, and what my constituents in Arizona deserve. And speaking of what the president wants, so what's going on with the White House? So Sunday night, the White House released their immigration policy priorities, and they gave them to Congress saying, look, if you're going to have these like negotiations, you should keep these in mind. This is what the president is, is hoping to see. This is what the president wants. And in that, the president is still pushing for funding for a border wall. He's pushing for increased immigration enforcement. And he also wants to end chain migration and establish a points-based system for green cards. These immigration policy objectives remind me of some of the points he made in that immigration speech toward the end of his campaign when he visited Phoenix. Penetrable, physical, tall, powerful, beautiful southern border wall. And people like Clarissa Martinez de Castro aren't happy. Right now, I think the best thing to do is to ignore the principles that the White House put out, which we all are going to push like hell to ensure that everybody understands they are ridiculous and to continue creating the space with members of Congress. And at the same event where Clarissa Martinez de Castro was a panelist, Arizona State Representative Isela Blanc of District 26 was also a panelist, and she told me about her own experience as an undocumented immigrant. When I came to the U.S. at six and a half, I can describe every detail of getting on the plane to coming to the U.S., and what I forget is the trek actually arriving to Oregon. And the reason that is blank in my mind is because there was a huge sudden shift in my life. So I lost what I feel a sense of my childhood. I had to grow up suddenly. Suddenly I became the semi-caregiver of my younger siblings. She said while her own story shaped her, she can't compare her experience to that of the undocumented immigrants and DACA recipients of today. And she said her pathway to citizenship was a lot easier. I really 
recognize how privileged I was, even as an undocumented person 30 years ago. As a legislator and as a person, Blanc said she's worried about the motivation behind DACA negotiations. Whether it's been Democrats or Republicans have been using immigration as a political agenda. So I can't keep track of everything that's going on because that is making this situation more complex. To me, it's incredibly simple. We have people living in this country that have walked away for whatever reason from everything that they've known in another country. And they are now here. And a lot of these human beings have had children. But Arizona dreamer Maxima Guerrero worries in the midst of all this political back and forth. What will come at the expense of my pathway to legalization? And as we've seen, so much can happen in a couple weeks. But until our next episode, the clock is ticking on Deadline DACA. The music in this episode is by Roddy Nick Four. Special thanks to Cronkite News and Arizona PBS. And as always, a special thanks to our editor, Steve Crane, who this week we owe our undying gratitude. Our undying gratitude for giving us the clever reference of DACA Mole. <laughs>